The president of Ghana was in Paris in June, and when I tell you when he got the microphone, he did not mince his words. He has said this before in his country, and he repeated it at an international platform, that rating agencies are reckless and very careless when it comes to rating Africans. They're very quick to downgrade African economies, and that affects the perception and perspective of investors when it comes to African countries. And their economies end up taking a nosedive. I can comfortably and convincingly say this. As the AU champion for African financial institutions and leader of a country which recently had to deal with one of the most difficult periods in its post-independent history, difficulties which were exacerbated by the reckless behavior of rating agencies that engage that engaged in pro-cyclical downgrades, shutting Ghana out of capital markets and turning a liquidity crisis into a solvency crisis. Afri-Exim Afri Bank, under its counter-cyclical response mechanism, provided timely support to help Ghana navigate the macroeconomic management challenges, worsened by Russia's war of aggression in Ukraine, in an orderly manner. Hello guys, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of our conversations. My name is Adira Ganga. I am always glad to come over here, sit down and have conversations about African black people, our empowerment, and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. Today I want us to discuss the convention that um, France's President Emmanuel Macron held for leaders from all over the world in France. And this was a very interesting session because it comes amid a global financial crisis. Very many countries are struggling to raise revenue domestically. They're struggling to raise money at the international markets and they're struggling to pay off some of the debts that they have at the international market. And this was a very important forum because France was there, China was there, they're some of the biggest lenders on the globe and they're the biggest holders of debt, yet they're very rigid with how the money they've lent to some of these countries should be paid back to them. They do not care, pay us back our money. Whether your country crumbles, whether it falls apart, we do not care, pay us back our money. If you want to restructure your debt, you go through a very, very, very long, strenuous and painful process. And this is some of the things that the Prime Minister of Barbados was calling out. She's saying that we are not living in normal times. COVID-19 happened. Russia invaded Ukraine, which created global instability. The global economy is not doing well. We are at a more vulnerable time when it comes to climate change more than ever. It means lives are being impacted, livelihoods are being impacted, food production is falling by the day. You know, the quality of air is not great, livability is on the on the planet is becoming more and more difficult and so bearing in mind all these circumstances you cannot say that debt to gdp has to be 60 percent that is not feasible many developed countries in europe are at 90 percent so what do you expect to become of african countries yet you still expect them to pay you back your money yet you don't factor in all these things that have happened in between least developed countries are not asking for debt forgiveness they're not saying let go of it they're saying can we have more fair terms and she points to the fact that 
Britain was given a hundred years to pay back its loan during World War II. You know, Germany was given a lot of time and they renegotiated the terms of the lending so that Germany can be able to pay back its loan while rebuilding after the war. Why is Africa and the Caribbean different in this instance? The developing world is sinking from debt and the hypocrisy of the moment with respect to debt sustainability is found in the fact that almost every country in Europe, if not every country, is now facing debt to GDP ratios of over 90%. Now the Maastricht Treaty speaks to 60% and Rogoff writes about 60% and the IMF and the World Bank use 60%. But that was in a world that was not encountering a polycrisis moment. And the reality is that if you ask countries to continue to go to 60% in a steep trajectory, you are going to kill the body politic, you're going to kill the capacity of the country to fuel growth or to sustain itself. It is no different from your body losing five pounds a week, three pounds a week, four pounds a week. You need to have a sustainable level of reduction if you are to ensure that the social institutions do not implode because we can bring back down debt overnight but we cannot rebuild institutions overnight. We need also to recognize that this is as valid a moment as the Jubilee moment, and this is a moment for debt cancellation for the least developed countries of the world, the ones who get either money, because to ask them to put debt upon debt upon debt is to choke them, and therefore there is no valid reason why we are not having this discussion when you've gone from climate crisis to pandemic, to Ukraine war leading to inflationary pressures, and indeed even the actions of the Inflation Reduction Act in the US, the developed world chose to be able to have excessive amounts of quantitative easing to ease their population. And their actions have now led to us having to face increased interest rates and increased difficulties and increased costs of living. That cannot be just and fair. And therefore we need to be able We need to be able to right-size it um, and, and to go. I know that my dear brother, Nana, President of Ghana, is here, and I hope he will speak to the role of the credit rating agencies, which in one fell swoop can take a country from standing erect to putting it on the ground. It is wrong, it is unfair. And the Bridgetown Initiative is fundamentally about fairness and transparency and a reform of the governance systems that continue to be the shadow of an old imperial order. But it is also about recognizing that there can be no division between climate and development. As I said this morning, the biggest issue leaving Paris is going to be whether we can overcome the domestic politics and the geopolitics of the moment in order to scale up the multilateral development banks. I believe, as Ilan will show, the private sector money can be unlocked but the private sector money cannot replace long-term development money. If the European Investment Bank recognizes that the time has come for it to give 30-year loans, as President Hoyer announced to us with a 10-year moratorium, then surely middle-income countries can get near-idolike terms, 50-, 60-year money, to deal with the polycrisis moment that we find ourselves in. The UK took 100 years to repay its debt for World War I, and Germany had all the benefits of being able to have its debt service capped as three to five percent, three to four percent of its GDP in order to rebuild Germany after World War II, 
we are people too. We are countries too. And we deserve the similar treatment. Thank you. Up next to speak was the president of Ghana. And, you know, the president of Ghana has been known to be very diplomatic, but very blunt when he needs to. And he says that Africans need to get to a place where we can raise our own revenue domestically because depending on 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 international bodies that leaves you vulnerable to people like um rating agencies because some of these lenders depend on rating agencies to determine the financial health of a country and unfortunately ghana and unfortunately ghana has had a tough time last year leading up to this year because several credit rating agencies downgraded them to junk ratings and that just meant that it was harder for ghana to go to the international markets and borrow money because when rating agencies say that your your financial health is junk it means you have no capacity to to pay back the money and nobody wants to give you money if you cannot pay back but i also uh think that the president of ghana was insinuating that that's a very simplistic approach based uh on the fact that these are very resilient economies and they have been shaken by what is happening globally so it's not like the country single-handedly plunged itself into economic turmoil a lot of factors come into play and when he was in ghana he called them very reckless and unfair but on the international stage he was a little bit diplomatic but the message was the same not so long ago barely 18 months ago ghana was a darling boy of the bond markets of of, of in, in the capital market suddenly as a result of rating uh, downgrades that were taken, we became shut out of the capital markets. And this has been done by people for whom there's very little accountability. Nobody's able to hold their fire to their feet to the fire and find out exactly what is it that motivates and what are the, 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 the basis upon which these rating agencies work. We need to be able also to focus on that. But I think that above all, the forward thing is making sure that we ourselves, especially on the African continent, are in a stronger and better place to determine our own future. We have seen that the dependence on foreign capital is both costly and risky. It is not in our, it's not in our control, and it means that at any stage, the rug can be pulled from under our feet. We've seen it recently. We saw it over the pandemic struggle when suddenly it became impossible for us to have access to vaccines. Uh, fortunately, the response of some of us on the continent has been to create our own uh, technology for making vaccines ourselves. And I think that that obviously is one very positive outcome of the pandemic, which we need to develop. But I am extremely focused on the measures that we can do to improve our own self-reliance and reduce uh, as much as possible. Not in, it's impossible because we are all on one planet, we live in one globe, but to reduce as much as possible our dependence on outside sources to finance our development. President Ruto also added a voice in terms of lending to Africans and least developed countries. And he's saying, allow us time. We're not poor. It's not that we are unable to pay you back. We are just countries that come from 
different circumstances and we experience global turmoil and global shocks in different ways developed countries can be able to absorb some of those shocks but african countries are unable to absorb some of those shocks you know a small change in america means that there's a massive change in africa you know and and and, and the way we experience these things the way our economies are able to absorb them is very different and so if britain and germany countries that in Europe were able to be allowed space and time to restructure their debt and be able to pay it in due time why can't you extend the same courtesy to African countries to least developed countries give them time allow them to pay you back over a long period of time and that will also deal with the challenge of credit rating agencies because nobody will default on their loan because you have a long time to be able to pay it back our position is that if you want to get debt relief, emergency liquidity, and new money together, let us live here having agreed on one thing, that like uh, Guterres has said, let's look for half a uh, 500 billion new money. But if we are going to distribute it the way we did SDR, we will end up with nothing. SDR, we ended up with $33 billion in our continent of 1.2 billion people. Europe, with 450 million people, ended up with five times what we got. You heard it this morning, not from me, from the UN uh, Secretary General, that we got 13 times less as Africans as compared to Europeans. Because the whole architecture, and by the way, it was fair by the architecture, the current architecture of the financial system. But it is grossly unfair when you are looking at fairness. So, what are we saying? Our position, good people, is we do the following. Let us agree that the money we are supposed to pay for the next 10 years as repayment of debt, let us convert it into a new loan that is 50-year loan with 20-year grace period so that you don't have a problem with your AAA rating. You can continue to have the AAA rating, but you don't have a problem with your shareholders because you haven't given away any money. You've just changed the structure. And we get both liquidity, we get it urgently, and we can develop our countries. For Kenya, for example, we pay $10 billion every year to service our debts. If I had $10 billion every year for development in Kenya, instead of paying debt, it would make a huge difference. That's all we're asking. We're saying, let's have something that is practical so that we live here, that next year, 
I don't have to pay $10 billion to pay debt. It will have been rescheduled. I will pay it 20 years from now. And I will have 30 years to pay, to pay that money. I will make that money available for roads, for health, for water, for education. It will make a hell lot of difference. We will have done something with this conference. We can discuss governance, we can discuss reform, we can discuss transformation of our multilateral development. Well, guys, that's all I had for you on this episode. I'll see you again next time. Let me know what you think on the comment sections. Bye-bye.